0: Shalom, this is Yaron Sivan from Ulpan Beit. I'm introducing today a lecture by one of our students, Ella Fussman. Ella, together with Neta, organized two unique events at the Ulpan. One was a lecture by Ella herself about plastics and, micro- and microplastics, and another one was a beach cleaning that took place two days after with students from the Ulpan. So 20 people went together to clean one of the beaches of Tel Aviv from plastics, and they gather together 250 kilograms of plastic, which is amazing. So today's podcast is the lecture by Ella about plastics and microplastics. Um, you can also find Ella on Instagram as m a. Enjoy the talks. If you want to contact us, just write to us to podcast at urpan.co.il. Have great holidays. Bye bye.
1: All right. um, Thank you, everyone, for being here tonight and taking the time to listen to this. Um, I think it's really great because it's a very, very important topic at the moment. Um, Okay, everyone can hear me? So, we're going to talk about plastics today. Um, before we diving into it, I want to give you a really brief overview so you roughly know where we are in the talk and what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so first of all, I want to tell you what are the signs of this pollution? What makes it obvious that we do have a problem indeed? Um, then second, what is the impact of this plastic on our marine life, um, on everything that lives in our oceans? And what is the impact, in fact, on our life? How are we harming ourselves by this habit? Um, after we bash plastic for quite a bit in the beginning of the talk, we will finally hear what plastic actually is and what makes it bad and maybe even good in some cases, um, before we'll talk a little bit about the alternatives and what we can do to actually make a difference and change our habits. So I'll dive right in and we'll talk about the signs of pollution. So. Um, why is everyone talking about plastics at the moment? You see it everywhere on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. It's popping up in your news these shopping videos, shopping pictures. Um, but why is everyone talking about it? And simply because the po- uh, problem of pollution has become so big that we can't um, ignore it any longer. And if you're asking how big has it become, um, let me just give you one example. This is the Great Pacific garbage patch. This is a floating island of plastic waste, floating in the North Pacific, halfway between California and Hawaii. And it's so big that it's actually almost 80 times the size of Israel. And this is just one of five. Um, In this garbage patch, there are 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic floating. If you do the math, this is actually 250 pieces of plastic for every human being on this planet. And it doesn't stop there, it is growing, and there are predictions that by 2050, there will be more plastic in the sea than fish. That is a shocking, shocking thought, and this estimation, I'm sorry to make it even worse, is by weight. And if you think about it, that this plastic bottle, I weighed it just now before the talk, weighs 27 grams this big plastic bottle. Now imagine the size of a fish that weighs 27 grams. It will will be probably like this size, like a tenth of the length maybe. So um, this prediction is by weight by the year 2050, but maybe by volume we've already passed this, that we by volume have more plastic than fish in the sea. So this is really shocking. And like I said, this mouse, I'm going to skip. This specific garbage patch is just one of five floating plastic islands we have in the sea currently. They accumulate the plastic through the wind and the currents, and they are on every one of the big oceans. They are not so much islands of plastic, but areas of plastic floating, like really high density of floating plastic debris. You can see it from the top, you can see it from the bottom. It goes about to 10 meters of depth depending on where it is. Um, And now I want to look at the impact this has on the marine life that is in our ocean. And to do this I think we need to understand what this trash actually is and where it is coming from to understand the impact. And 46% of it is what we call ghost nets. Those are nets that are uh, floating in the ocean whether they were dropped by accident because some line was broken or sometimes they were even just dropped because the fishermen have no use for them anymore and uh, wanted to discard their nets. And they are floating without being attached to anything in the water column. And um, just because they're not attached to one of these big ships anymore doesn't mean that they will stop fishing. They will continue fishing for the duration they are in the sea. And lots of sea creatures get entangled in it. While fish um, usually starve in these nets, um, animals like, for example, this turtle, or um, marine mammals that are reliant on going to the surface to breathe oxygen um, die in these nets much much quicker because they suffocate and can't breathe anymore. So they are a real danger to our marine life. Um, There's not so much we can do right now except for pushing governments to come up with stricter regulations but another huge huge chunk of this plastic that is floating in this in these garbage patches all around the world plastic pieces and this is where we come in this is still 40% of it and just to give you another big big number that's hard to imagine we in the last year we produced 320 million tons of plastic um, things whether this is packaging or items out of plastic the majority of it is for single use and yes As a kid um, of the mid-80s, 90s, I was told recycling is the solution. We can use plastic without a doubt. We can recycle it. But this was in the 90s. They tried it in the early 2000s, but nothing changed. And we can see that plastic is not working for us. And that is for a simple reason, that plastic is such a cheap resource that it is actually often cheaper to produce something new from scratch because you can use the raw, pure material than to recycle something that has been used, probably even mixed with other additives, other plastics. So hardly anything, only about 10% of the plastic we're using is actually getting recycled. The rest of it ends up in landfills or is littered by the side of the road. That is 90% of our plastic. So what happens with the plastic once we're done with it? We throw it. I mean, this is really, really quick. You go to the um, store around the corner, you want to grab a coffee and a bite to eat on the way, so you buy a plastic container with your food in it and a plastic cup, you use it once, you throw it away, you don't see it anymore. Once it's in the trash bin, it is gone. And it's, it's quite interesting that we use plastic in such a way because no one would go to a shop and buy a plate out of ceramics and a glass out of glass, use it once on the go and then throw it away. But somehow with plastic we have adopted this habit. So we use it once, we throw it away. Um, like I said, only a small part of it gets recycled. The rest is either littered or ends up in a landfill, which causes its own sort of problems. But I'm not going to dive into that. That would really um, take too long now. And um, still, even if they are, if they end up in landfills through flooding, through wind, they can easily be carried to uh, small waterways and rivers, and um, From there, they can easily end up in our ocean. And just to give you another number, um, eight million tons of the plastic we use ends up in our oceans. And this is the equivalent of one garbage truck of plastic waste dumped into our seas every single minute. Um, And the ocean just can't cope with that. So um, for those of you who have seen more plastic talks or are more familiar with the topic, you will have heard the fact that 90% of the plastic in our oceans comes actually from 10 rivers which uh, conveniently sit um, in Africa and Asia, so we don't have anything to do with it. Um, We can't really change anything. Um, But when you look at the average trash we find along coastlines all around the world, 75% of that trash that is littered on the coast um, is plastic. In Israel though it is 90%. 90% of the trash we find in beach cleanups here in Israel is made out of plastic and although we are a small country and in the numbers of the waste we produce we can never um, compete with countries like China or India we still play a crucial role in this by producing so much plastic waste that actually ends up in nature. So what is this impact of plastic on our marine life? In the bigger pieces animals um, get entangled and as they grow it really impacts their life. It impacts their bodies, the way they grow, the way they live, and they have no way of escaping this. Um, I spare you the video of this, uh, which has gone viral. Um, but this straw is not, a, not definitely not where it was supposed to be. And um, the next big thing is that a lot of um, animals are also eating this trash. Because they, especially birds, because they think it is something edible. They feed close to the water surface, they see something sh- uh, shiny and colorful swimming, they think it's a small squid or a fish, and they go with it and they end up with stomachs full of plastic. And for this, I actually brought you a short clip, so please bear with me. Dr. Jennifer Labors, she's devoted her life to studying the plight of seabirds she waters are incredible birds they migrate thousands of miles stopping only here to breed Pieces, some very light white pieces, and if you see, you know, as I push on this, it's absolutely rigid, completely, completely full of plastic all the way up. Oh, uh, look at that. Absolutely no doubt that this bird died as a result of that plastic. plastic. That is literally a gut full of plastic. It's quite alarming, isn't it? Uh, it's awful range of plastic types and colours, we've got everything from the blues and the reds Your stomach's just filled with it, big pieces too Big sharp pieces. pieces Oh wow, look at the size of that big black piece That is an enormous piece of plastic Unbelievable Look at the size of that I counted 234 pieces of plastic out of that one bird. Is that a record? Not even close, unfortunately. So for the species, the record is 276 pieces of plastic inside of one 90-day-old chick. And that plastic, when we weighed it out, accounted for 15% of that bird's body mass. So that's a pretty scary statistic. If we translate that into human terms, it gets even worse. That would be equivalent to you and I having somewhere around 6 or 8 kilos of plastic inside of your stomach. It's equivalent to about 12 pizzas worth of food inside of your stomach. I think there's not much we can add to this. Um, the statistics say that 90% of all seabirds have eaten plastic in their life. and um, it is quite shocking and it's definitely not the only marine species that is digesting plastic, but we'll come to that a little bit later again. Let's look at another very important piece of this big puzzle that is the trash that is floating in the ocean and those are microplastics. And although they make only 8% in this graph, which is uh, divided by the weight, um, they are a huge, huge number of plastic particles. Um, so microplastics, the definition is every plastic particle that is smaller than five millimeters. And uh, they also do great, great harm to our marine life. And um, you can even see in some footage uh, really floating in the water column. And I go snorkeling here in Tel Aviv almost every day and I see it on some days more and sometimes less. Um, these plastic pieces that are really floating in front of your eyes. Um, here's a little bit of a size um, comparison to see how small they actually are. Um, and we need to understand where are these microplastics are coming from. So there are actually several sources for them. And one of them is the bigger plastic debris that is floating in our ocean. Later in Celine's talk, we will learn why this happens. But the bigger plastic pieces, they break down under UV radiation, the waves, the friction, the temperature differences. And these plastic bottles we throw out actually uh, dissolve into tiny, tiny, unidentifiable pieces of plastic that are then floating in the ocean. So this is one source. Another source is actually right in our homes. It's our washing machine. Every time we take a garment, a piece of clothing that is made out of plastic fibers, Speak a little bit about that later. And we wash it in the washing machine. Small pieces of that plastic detach from the clothing. And they're so small that they can't um, get filtered out by any filter of the wastewater recycling. And with our wastewater, they're being washed straight into our oceans every time we run a washing machine. So that is the second source. Another really, really big source um, are cosmetics, something we're using every day, whether this is facial peelers or toothpaste. Um, they sometimes contain small plastic beads that are advertised as microbeads for special clean feeling on your skin or on your teeth. But they are um, small really manufactured pieces of plastic that every time we brush our teeth are washed again with the wastewater into our rivers and into our oceans. So that is the third source. Another source which actually doesn't happen that frequently but still whenever it happens it has a huge huge impact are these freighters, because we're producing plastic all over the world in all sizes, in all shapes. We're shipping the raw material all over the earth and we do this in these freight ships. So these containers can be loaded to the rim with small plastic nuggets. And whenever one of these containers goes overboard and bursts in the waves, it releases a ton of small plastic granules, again, these small manufactured beads. And this is footage from 2012 from Hong Kong where three of these containers went overboard and the beach just looks like it snowed, and um, lots of the locals came out and helped. So these events don't happen very often, but they do happen, they happen just recently in Australia and at the coast of Africa. Um, But when they happen, they can have severe effects on our um, our marine system. So what's the deal with microplastics? Um, It has been in the headlines for a long, long time as well, and I want to explain a little bit how it works. So for that we need to dive in a little bit deeper and look at the water column, where we do have toxins. Again, I'm not diving into this topic, but we do have a lot of toxins floating in the sea. Whether this is from, like, it, whether this is heavy metals from the paint of ships, or whether this is fertilizers that gets washed from our fields to the rivers to our oceans, we do have toxins in the ocean. But what used to happen is that um, we also have sand in the water column, which over the time combined these toxins. And since the sand is heavier, um, it slowly sinks to the ground and binds the toxins with it so they can be bound in the sediment and taken out of the system. If you now look at the exact same scenario with the toxins we have floating in the water, some sand granules, but now we add microplastics to the, to the mix. We can actually see that through their chemical properties, the toxins really want to bind to these plastics. And opposite to the sand granules, they are very very light and they stay in the water column where they are mistaken for small planktonic animals that are eaten by bigger animals and this is exactly where this problem starts so we have these small animals in the food chain in the in the sea that eat these small particles and it enters their body and obviously it doesn't stop there because we have this food chain in the sea that the bigger fish eat the small fish and so on and the bigger the fish the more of these microplastics and toxins we will have in them. And once they eat the microplastics, it doesn't stay in their body. The toxins slowly dissociate um, from the plastics and actually migrate into the, into the muscle mass of the fish. And this is actually where we come in because we are at the top of this food chain. This is exactly our role in this ecosystem. So we are eating the same microplastics and the same toxins we are putting into the sea ourselves. So if we don't stop this habit, we're not only affecting our wildlife, but we are poisoning ourselves. And it doesn't stop with fish, by the way. So the traces of these microplastics have by now been found in things like table salt, honey, bottled water. In the US, um, I think 90% of bottled water contain traces of microplastics. And I'm really, really sorry to say, even beer is affected. Even beer contains traces of microplastics by now. (laughs) 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 All right, so now that we talked about plastic and what the polymers actually are, Is that really all there is? And um, Celine scratched the surface of it, that um, to get from these um, beautiful white translucent uh, small nuggets to the big colorful um, bottles in all shapes and sizes, there are other things needed. So there are a lot of additives involved, whether this is coloring or things to make plastic less brittle. And one thing Celine mentioned, BPA is a thing that is added to plastic make it less brittle it looks like this a little bit more chemistry uh, this will be it for tonight i promise you um it is also mostly carbon based and it looks fairly harmless and um, we put it in all sorts of stuff so where do we find bpa basically everywhere so celine said it's mostly used for the plastic we make water bottles out of, for example or food containers Um, But also things where we less expected, like for example, tin cans and these drink juice boxes, they they look like they're out of metal or uh, paper respectively, but they're actually lined with a thin layer of plastic most of the time. Um, Which means that, especially when we put acidic foods in there, imagine a can of tomatoes you put on your pizza or something like this, the acid in the food draws the BPA out of the plastic and into your food. Um, Another really weird thing, but actually one of the most common sources, is that for some weird reason not to smudge the ink on our cash register receipts, They put a fine dust of BPA on that as well, which you then absorb through your fingers when you touch the the cash register receipt. And a study found that 93% of all Americans have BPA in their body. It has a half-life of 12 hours in our body, so we can easily wash it out once we remove ourselves from the exposure but it is basically impossible, because we surrounded ourselves with plastic and sources of BPA. So why is this bad? In the 1940s, BPA, the same thing we put into plastic, was actually run around for the contraceptive pill. It wasn't used in the end, because it wasn't effective enough and had too many side effects, but it does mimic the female hormone estrogen, which is in contraceptive pills. So if we expose our bodies to high amounts of this BPA, um, it can actually be linked to several disorders in our bodies. There are not fi- no final studies yet because scientists are still working on it. But there are strong connections between BPA levels in patients' bodies and diseases like infertility in men and women, early puberty in children, hormone-dependent tumors like, for example, breast tumors, weight gain and diabetes. So it is definitely something we need to be more aware of and it was quite shocking, I read a study about um, school children in the UK that tried to, uh, to remove themselves from BPA, it was barely impossible because every processed food we eat and everything that has been in contact with plastic can contain this stuff. And um, yeah, it is basically impossible to avoid. But um, and they even got in contact with one of the can manufacturers of their pizza sauce, of their favorite pizza sauce, to ask them if their cans are lined with plastic that contains BPA. And even the can um, producer, manufacturer, couldn't say for sure whether this plastic contains BPA or not. So we definitely need more regulations when it comes to that. Um, but since <laughs> <laughs> all evening I've been bashing plastic. I just want to squeeze one small but important thing in. Plastic is not just bad. Nothing in this world is black and white. It's really important to remember. And now to go to the street and say we need to ban all plastic is not what this is about. Because generally, plastic is an amazingly versatile material. It is cheap, it is clean, which makes, for example, medicine available for even in third world countries where before plastic they had glass syringes, they had to. Rinse and autoclave between patients, which was often impossible, with plastic syringes. So this is a great use for plastic. It is sterile, it is light, and in our fight against climate change, where we're shipping goods around the world, plastic saves weight and saves fuel. It saves food, uh, food waste, and all this can fight climate change if we use plastic responsibly. But unfortunately, we have developed a plastic addiction in our everyday life. It all started really, really harmless with um, a guy in the UK who actually wanted to save the planet by coming up with a material he could um, replace for elephant tusks that were used to produce billiard balls at that time. And it was a really trendy sport in the 1850s. So he wanted to save the elephants and invented the first plastic by doing so. And during World War II plastic boom, we invented a huge industry of making airplane lighter of coming up with windshields that didn't shatter, with coming up with nylon for parachutes. And it had a huge boom and a great success in the army during World War II. But after the world ended, you had this whole plastic industry that all of a sudden needed a new purpose. So they tried to market the plastic they were using for military purposes to the general public and solved problems we didn't even have before just to sell their stuff. So out of... Windshields, they came up with things like Tupperware and Tupperware evenings to market their plastic boxes. Out of the nylon uh, parachutes we made pantyhoses and many, many other things. Like I said, solutions for problems we didn't even know we had. And it has really gotten out of hand. I have collected a couple of um, examples now for you where plastic is really not used responsibly. It makes absolutely no sense to <laughs> cut in half and seal it into plastic. Or peel a, something that has a perfectly degradable good shell that protects protect the inner good with something with plastic. I lived in the UK for a while and I actually found, I didn't take a picture unfortunately, but I found hard boiled eggs peeled and put into plastic boxes. <laughs> oh, this is just um, the highest wow. of the level of anxiety. <laughs> Um, and many things are just for our convenience, we just are being too lazy to cut the tomato in this uh, in this case, and are generating plastic waste we are not recycling. I um, and this is actually an example from an Israeli supermarket around the time of the World Cup, where you have this beautiful fruit that's unpackaged lying around, and instead of taking this one minute to collect the fruits you actually want, you buy a pack that is also sealed in plastic. So what can we do in our everyday life? Because um, it's not only this single potato wrapped in plastic, but there are many things we're using even unconsciously without realizing that we can easily replace um, with things that are not made out of plastic and somehow break this circle of addiction to plastic we have created. And I think whenever we go to a supermarket, whenever we buy something new, Something out of plastic, but not only out of plastic, this goes, for, in my opinion, for every material, but especially plastic, we stop thinking about this. I think we need to ask ourselves these simple questions. How long will I be using it? How long will it remain on earth after I use it? What will I do with it once I'm done? And how long will it stay in the place I put it after I'm done with it? And what are the alternatives? Is there something viable we can use instead? Um, So I'm going through the main polluters we have and find here in Israel on a a daily basis and one of them is plastic bags. Worldwide we use almost 17,000 plastic bags every second and um, we use them on average for only 12 minutes before we're done with it and throw them into the trash in the best case or throw them out of the window of a driving car or leave them at the beach. And only one in 200 plastic bags gets recycled. So you can do the math how much of this ends up in landfills, our rivers, and our oceans, and um, end up in places where it definitely doesn't belong. So if you now think about 12 minutes versus 20 years, I think this is a clear, clear trade. And please say no to plastic bags. And this goes for these reusable shopping bags you can just drop in the morning into your bag, or even smaller bags. Um, There are really, really lightweight fabric bags in the market you can use to weigh your vegetables whenever you go to the market, to the supermarket, and you don't need to use a plastic bag for every banana you want to weigh, for every tomato you want to buy, and you save tons of plastic waste by doing this. And there are countries that are actually doing it. There are so many countries around the world that are slowly starting to ban plastic bags. It is really possible. And here I want to really give you a small uh, bit of hope in this huge Mm grim vastness of plastic waste. And this is CFCs. I mean, who of you remembers the problem with the ozone layer we had in the 90s? There were big headlines. We had uh, spray cans, air conditioning, fridges that were running with gases that were creating um, holes in our ozone (laughs) layer. And in 1996, there was a worldwide ban signed. All the countries in the world signed a ban on these gases. And now the ozone layers are actually recovering. And scientists predict that by 2060, we won't have holes in the ozone layer anymore because we decided globally as a humanity to ban these gases and save our planet. So I think it is remarkable. And if we start a change, and if we can change our habits, this can actually make a difference. Another big thing is coffee cups. Um, we use 7 million coffee cups every day worldwide. And how long do we use them for? There are no official numbers, so you can all take a guess how often or how long you use them for. And although they are out of paper, most of the time, here in Israel at least, I have bad news for you. Because the only thing that is recyclable in these bags, it's not even that it's not cheap enough or like profitable enough to recycle, it is not possible to recycle. Except for the small cardboard rim they put around your cup so you won't burn your fingers. Everything else is not recyclable in these cups and they go directly to the landfills. And I don't know, I guess maybe 10 minutes before your coffee gets cold, but it will remain around for 20 years before it not only degrades but falls apart into small microplastics, creating even more problems. So I think it is only logical. If we think about it, we would never go to a shop, buy a cup, drink one coffee out of it and throw it away. Don't do this with plastic. Get one of these reusable cups. You're making a big difference by doing that. And you're sending also a message to the coffee shops who are popping up and giving you offers, like every 10th coffee is for free, or you get, I don't know, um, 20 AgaWatt off your coffee if you buy it in a reusable cup. It can make a difference. Um, The next big thing is plastic bottles, which we use one million every minute worldwide. How long do we use them for, I don't know. Um, Only 10 to 23% of them are are getting recycled. And the thing with water bottles and has to do with uh, Celine's chemistry part, they can often only be recycled one time before the plastic becomes so brittle that the only thing we can make out of it are plastic fibers which go into clothing, which if you remember the beginning of the talk, will end up in our washing machine and produce microplastics. So this is definitely not a solution. Um, For plastic bottles, if we throw them into the sea, which happens most of the time, um, it takes 450 years or more for the bottle caps, up to a thousand years until they fall apart into microplastics. No piece of plastic we have produced on our planet has just disappeared. This is something that doesn't happen with plastic. If we don't see it anymore, it has become microplastic. And again, we have these bottle caps that are clearly not where they should be. And I found this uh, picture particularly shocking, because this is in a thousand meters depth in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and even in the most remote places, we now find our waste, we have produced. And if you remember the invention and the boom of plastic, it hasn't been that long. It has been 80 years, maybe, since we've been using plastic. And all this destruction we have created in less than a century. So again, two hours versus 45 uh, years, and take the BPA's in account. I told you earlier, you're not only doing uh, the planet um, a favor; you're doing yourself a favor if you swat- switch to reusable um, water bottles that are available out of glass, out of metal, and out of many, in many, in many colors in many styles. It is an easy decision, and you actually save money in the long run. But with the bottles, it doesn't stop there. You have all these colorful bottles where um, companies really cry for attention. They want you to buy their product and not the product of the competitors. So they make their product as colorful and as shiny as they can, so it will spring into your eye and you'll buy it. Um, But with every shekel we pay, every shekel we leave in the supermarket, we are paying the companies for what they're doing. And if we're paying them for this marketing, this is what they will keep doing. But if we are aware of this and we go to the supermarket and we choose, if we have the option, a product that is either like a bar of soap not wrapped in plastic, or we have a similar product of what we want to buy, but in a clear or white packaging. This is much easier to recycle than these big, fancy, colorful packages. And with every shekel we're paying, we make a decision and we pay the companies and supporting their strategy. And we can choose to um, support the companies that have a more sustainable strategy. And I just talked um, at a conference to leaders of Unilever that are actually really invested of making a change in this world of plastic, but they need our support as customers. Without that, they can't do anything. Um, another big thing is cosmetics I talked about, and it's not only facial cleaners and toothpaste, but also every makeup with glitter, or c- it's insane what they came up with, what they can put plastic in. I know this is a long list. If you want, I can, I'm happy to make a screenshot of this and put it on the event page so you can look it up. If you're in in the supermarket and buying some product and you see one of these um, items on the back of the ingredients, you are buying something, a company deliberately put plastic in. And again, you're voting with every shekel you pay. So if you pay attention to this, you can make a difference. The same goes for clothing. And if you check the label and you see any of these three names, you are buying a piece of clothing that is made out of plastic fibers and will produce microplastics. It is also better for your body to wear natural fibers um, so your body and your skin can breathe, um, but you're also doing the environment a great, great favor. One big issue, especially here in Israel, are food containers, plates and cutlery. The estimations say that 40 billion items are used every year around the globe. And especially in Israel, this industry is booming. And every picnic you have on the beach or in Pal-Tayachon or wherever, you have only plastic cups, plastic bags, uh, plastic cups, plastic plates, um, plastic cutlery. Everything is used and really the industry here is booming. It's incredible. There's a really interesting article. Um, I can also link to the event page if you're interested and um, it really looks devastating. This is a picture a girl on Facebook uh, took and posted, and this is a picture I took in Kalmachim at the end of a beautiful Saturday on the beach where people just use these plastics and throw them away. And if you know you love picnics and you love camping and you love going out to nature and meet with friends, it is really worth to spend these few shekels, which you will gain back by not buying plastic plates anymore and invest into a sustainable kit which is also much nicer by the way because um, these forks are plastic, they always break, you can't cut anything with a knife. It's not worth it, You don't want to eat from this blubbery plate, it's its really worth it, trust me. Um, last but not least, I'm going to talk about cigarette butts, which often get neglected and no, I'm not telling you to stop smoking, this is none of my business, but the problem with cigarette butts is that they are often littered out in nature. And 4.5 trillion cigarettes are littered every year around the globe, not disposed properly, but littered in nature. And the problem with cigarette butts is that they contain, they do exactly their job, they're made out of plastic and they filter the most of the toxins that are in the cigarette out before they reach our body. But exactly because of this, once they get in contact with water, they can spoil, some estimations say 200, some estimations say up to 500 liters of water. Just one single cigarette but And now go to the beach of Tel Aviv and see how many you can find. It's really amazing. So if you are a smoker, get a pocket ashtray or find some sort of solution to take them with you and dispose of them in your trash and not at the beach or in nature. I think the most important message here is like if I could if, or if we were now able to motivate you to choose a habit that is um, consuming less plastic in your everyday life, I think the important part is to not overwhelm yourself. take it slow. Don't do it like a gym membership where you sign up, go three times the first week, and then never set foot in the gym again. But um, Tackle one problem at a time, really try to create small habits rather than life changing events where you can just swap this one thing, you look into your trash, see what you consume the most and maybe start with this, try to find an alternative. And once this has settled in and you don't even have to think about it anymore. Try another thing. Look what, what you're producing, what you're, what you're using, using the most. Don't judge yourself if you stray. I get stuck sometimes and I use a plastic bag because I'm stranded somewhere, but I try really my best not to and have a bag with me whenever, but you can't beat yourself up when, um, when, you, when you get stuck. And don't judge others as well. Just do what you can and tackle one corner at a time. And over time, we can make a difference and we can start a movement and change our habit for good and not just temporary. Um, this is a small starter kit. Whoever has this amazing, um, reasonable shopping bag, a keep cup and a water bottle. You can add these small containers and small bags to do your grocery shopping, to weigh your vegetables in, to weigh, to buy your nuts here in the market. Um, it's all possible. I've done it. you get a weird look the first time and people ask actually questions, they get really curious and, um, but are generally very very positive about this. It's amazing. Um, maybe use soap instead of shampoo bottles. Get an ashtray if you're a smoker. And if you do love picnics, maybe get one of these plates so you don't produce more plastic waste. And I have one short video for you to give you a little bit of hope. Sometimes the problems of our world can feel overwhelming. But we got here one piece at a time, and we can recover one piece at a time. I believe in our ability to make drastic change. Throughout the world, I see a shift in the way we think. I see people starting to make conscious decisions with our planet in mind. We humans may be the problem, but it's we humans that give me hope and a solution. To help us on Friday morning, please come and sign up for our beach cleanup and help us make a difference. And thank you very, very, very much for listening to me and to all of us. And even your the- questions you think are really valuable and you want to get them off your chest now please feel free to ask otherwise I will be over there in the exhibition and just come over talk to me um, if you have any questions thank you very much